Good morning. So in today's readings, we hear two different mountain stories, two different encounters with God. But I think once broken open, they give some clearer direction about our own spiritual Lenten journey. We begin with that story of Abraham and Isaac, a story that is so critical in the eyes of God that we read it at every Easter vigil. This story has its roots in the Sumerian culture. It was set in a time where it was commonplace to worship many gods, and it was deemed necessary to make sacrifices and peace offerings in order to keep those gods happy. And with every negative human event experience, the culture perceived the necessity to increase the value of its offerings. Eventually, it would become commonplace for one to bring 90% or more of their crop to the altars to be burned. And then when that wasn't enough, eventually human sacrifice would take place. So the story picks up with Abraham, who was married many years to Sarah, a woman thought to be barren. But God blessed them with a son, Isaac. While this passage demonstrates Abraham's unbelievable faith in God, it's a story whose ending is often missed. It begins with God saying to Abraham, take your son Isaac, your only one, the one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah where you will offer him up as a holocaust. It's interesting to note, this is the first time the word love appears in the Bible. And it's used by God describing this father-son relationship. And it's the basis for which God establishes and defines and gives name to the relationship with his people, with you and with me. And so they set out on this three-day journey. And all the while, Abraham knows what he has to do. But did you notice in the reading, we don't hear Abraham surprised. He doesn't ask God how to do it. He doesn't necessarily seem shocked of what he has to do. And the reason being, it wasn't necessarily uncommon at this time. He had to be thinking contrary to what he originally thought. This must just be one of those gods who has to be satisfied with human sacrifice. After all, it's how gods were. They demanded the things most valuable from you. So Abraham and Isaac climb the mountain. After short preparation, Abraham takes out the knife, ready to kill his own son, the one that he loves so much. It's at this point of the story that you and I are wondering, what is God really thinking? I mean, is he really asking Abraham to offer his only beloved son in order to prove that he's a faithful person? We all know that the messenger of God stops the thrust of the knife. And then what happens next, that's the key part of the story. For God gives Abraham a ram to offer up instead of his son. It's an ending that can't be overlooked. For we have a God making a point that was revolutionary in its time. See, his message to Abraham was this, where once you believed in the God that demanded the things most valuable from you, with his gift of a ram, God shows Abraham that this God gives gifts and graces to you. This God, our God, provides. This is a whole new day for this culture. 
Because this story is not necessarily just about a great act of faith by Abraham. Rather, it's about our God who provides. The fundamental belief up to that time was focused on what one had to do to please God. But this story teaches us that our God is one who loves and blesses and provides for all people without exception. We move to the gospel that gives us the second mountain experience where we find Jesus taking Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain. You have to take a look. The story of the transfiguration of Mark comes right on the heels of Jesus telling all his disciples the conditions for discipleship. Namely, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. So can you imagine these disciples after mulling over these conditions, these simple fishermen, they had to be a bit shaken and wondering what was Jesus even talking about? So seemingly in response, Jesus makes this mountain climb with three of the disciples. Whereupon reaching the top, Jesus is transfigured, transformed in front of them. His clothes dazzling white, joined by Elijah representing the prophet and Moses representing law. I mean, Peter, James, and John, they're, they're stunned, they're confused, they're frightened. But then they listen to the proclamation given by God, who said, this is my son whom I love. Echoing the words of the baptism of Jesus, echoing the words from today's Abraham story. And what's the one thing God asked? That we listen to his son. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Reminding us that the words of God's son will be transformative to people who listen. These two mountain stories give us a God who provides, including providing a son whom he loves so much. A son who, unlike Isaac, will not be spared by the angel's hand. And a son who God asks us to just listen to. So allow me to offer you three ways these two stories can give us added direction about our Lenten journey. First, take a review of your Lenten promises or acts of sacrifice and take note. They're all fine and well. This is not a competition. Who can give up more? But we have a God that provides and a God who asks us to listen. So I invite us maybe to focus a little less on what we gave up Instead, look at removing the barriers in our, in our lives that prevent us from listening to God by adding some silence into our Lenten promises so we can be present and open and available to God. Second, many of, probably just all of us, we all entered Lent with a journey filled with trials and tribulations. Or maybe we have roads that aren't clearly defined or pathways burdened with guilt or shame. Or maybe we're just too busy or too angry or too hurt or just too bitter to begin to walk the path. And actually, that's all okay. For look who, who Jesus took to the mountain to reveal his radiance and glory. Three disciples who were not perfect by any means and at some point they all denied and failed Jesus during his ministry. But it didn't matter. Christ knows that they and all of us are broken. 
We've all failed our baptismal promises at some point. And at times we have fled Jesus and have gone back on our word. And that's why we have Lent, to repent, to literally turn ourselves around, to move beyond the mind we currently have, as eventually did a more humble Peter, James, and John. And lastly, I invite you to find some quiet time. Reflect on the Christ transfigured. Not just the radiant white transfiguration we heard about today, but how Christ is transfigured in each of us, in every person around us, and throughout the world. I mean, perhaps we need to begin to see all people, including ourselves, as transfigured. To see each person dazzling in appearance by the incarnate word. For when we start to see this way, it leads to a place of forgiveness and compassion. A way that we can begin to be transfigured and transformed for each other with Christ, in Christ, and through Christ, this day and always.